Welcome aboard to Wind Against Tide once again. I am joined here by Adrian, as usual, because yep. it is his house. <laughs> yep, we're at my house in my study, but welcome to episode number five. We're really on the roll here, Dave, aren't we? Oh yeah, we're going well now. Um, not going so well with fishing this week, so not too many triumphs to bring to you, but it has been a very different week in fishing. It was all about snapper last week. And in a sudden turn of events this week, it's all about giant tuna, isn't it, Adrian? Yeah, well, the um, fishing has really headed up here in Melbourne. Like, it's gone from, I guess, hot fishing, like in the ports and bays with the big snapper and squid, to insane world-class fishing offshore, just in our local waters too. Um, Some big, big tuna caught. Um, I think there's a couple of 145 kilos caught. Just today and yesterday, so it's amazing. Yep. Yeah, so uh, well-known uh, giant fish catcher Richie Alboa got a 145 kilo yesterday, I believe. And then today we've just had Chris Cassar come in with, come in with a uh, 141.5. I'll give you the 0.5, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple of cracking fish, especially for local. Um, and this will probably be killing a few people that, currently can't get to the ramp still due to restrictions but um fear not because come this thursday we're all allowed to do whatever we want is that right adrian yep i believe that's correct we can do whatever we want we can do the uh the midnight snapper runs because everyone loves a good night midnight uh fish on the snapper and we can also fish for the tuna during the day yes although um are you a little bit concerned that it's going to be absolute mayhem on the water in the next few weeks. Like what kind of fishing are you talking about? Or I think mostly snapper, but also these these barrels, they don't respond. The barrels really don't respond well to uh, boat pressure. So especially in a when they're in this known small area, I think it's going to be pretty crazy out there. So um, I reckon like when the rules do relax for the first week or two, it's going to be absolutely crazy and then it'll settle down again. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, the tuna fishing, I think only the hardcore guys will go. The uh, fishing cowboys, as we like to call them. <laughs> the super wogs, the fishing cowboys, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because you still got to cross the bar, oh, I guess not bars, but the entrances, which can be, you know, puts a lot of people off fishing locally for the tuners. Um, so It does, but there's still, there's a hell of a lot of people that still go out there and do it. Yeah, um, which fair play to everyone. Obviously, um, nobody owns the right to be out there on their own, and it's great for everyone to share in that experience. But it, um, there's no doubt about it, it can make it a little bit difficult sometimes to uh, put yourself on the fish. But um, becomes a bit more of a lottery at times. But yeah, that's that's the way it is, isn't it, Adrian? Oh yeah, it's always a lottery out there. Um, you can either be a magnet to the luck the glory out there or you can just keep grinding and grinding year after year and not even see a bite. Yeah. Um, So uh, yesterday I, um, once I saw restrictions were lifting, thought uh, early reprieve, I can go offshore now. (laughs) Early. (laughs) You've just um, unlocked yourself, have you? Yeah, I've just unlocked myself. I thought, well, what's the difference between a few days? So, you know, I just went and sort of, did it that's all right isn't it oh done how'd you go yeah so uh late launch 
had a couple of things to attend to in the morning and um, by the time I did go, um, that was a wind against tide scenario at the western entrance of Western Port and um, she was pretty bad. Um, oh, I used the show name again, wind against tide. Yeah, we Very tend to do that a lot. Um, but that's what it was, which makes these big pressure waves and um, it was pretty bad. I, my brother actually said to me that's the worst weather he's ever been in. So, <laughs> oh, no, it must have been pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I had to... I, I I had to drop down to twenty k an hour and oh you're kidding twenty k an hour punching through, through a few waves but um once we got out it was all right and um yeah because I only had that half day I just wanted to check out a little bit closer to home so I didn't go down to where all the craziness was um but I found some pretty cool action nonetheless um felt like I was probably pretty unlucky not to get a bite if you. Check this out, Adrian. Yep. My depth sounder came up with um, a whole bunch of big fish under a bait ball, um, which looks something like this. Have you flicked that one, Adrian? So you can see that. Oh, wow. a bunch of big tuna feeding on a bait ball. Man, that, you're so unlucky to get a bite in that. That looks like they're feeding there. I know. On my own, no one else around. Usually you'd go over that and bang a real wood crack off. But it didn't. Um, and that's fishing. And, um, yeah, I got to, got to go in home and um, all my mates sent me photos of everyone else's fish like I wasn't aware of it, which yes. was really helpful. It's just a thing mates do, isn't it? Mate, I love when you're out fishing, right, and you've sucked all day, everyone around is caught, and then your mates um, tend to send you text messages just throughout the day, oh, did you see so-and-so's fish? Oh, did you see that? And... Uh. Um, <laughs> Doesn't that just drive you insane? It does your head in. It always looks so easy on Facebook, doesn't it? Like, yeah, like there's like 50 boats out there and six fish caught. So, you know, most people had an average day, but when you look at Facebook and three or four fish come up in a row, it's like, oh, my God, yeah, it's crazy out there. But when you're out there doing it, it's uh, it can be a little bit of a lottery. Um, obviously, some guys are more consistent than others. Um. Yeah, it doesn't really help that I only had half a day, but anyway, yeah. we just have to get out there again, Adrian. Yeah, I do remember you text me about ten a.m. saying I'm still going. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, I did get up early. I was gonna go early, but I had a few things on at home, and um, probably probably for the best because it was um pretty blowy in the morning. So, and I covered a lot of distance. I used 160 liters of fuel, so that's. Always good for no result. What's 160 litres of fuel, you know, push you out? How many Ks, you reckon? Because you've got a 3D V8 there. Mm, uh, I think she was pretty efficient. I reckon I did probably 180 K. Yeah, right. That's pretty good. Something like that. Cruising at 40 to 50 K an hour. The big, uh, the big Pro XS. Yeah, right. So you can't complain too much about that. No. So did you did you get out for a fish this week? No, I actually didn't. I actually um, decided I'd cook some fish for the family. Did ya? Yes, I'll have to. <laughs> I did a little bit of chefing too, Adrian. Did ya? Yes. So I actually decided to um, bake a whole snapper. So I had, um, I don't know you can see there, I've got a snapper there and I baked it um, for the family to eat and I think I had like, a few herbs, lemon, butter, rubbed it all in, 
um, season it lovely with um, salt and pepper. And I don't know. I tend to fail at roasting snapper a lot. Like it came out, came out bloody beautiful. Like look at that. That looks delicious. But there's always the skin doesn't all, look very crispy. Yeah, it had to go back in the oven <laughs> another couple of times because um, yeah, right next to the bone, it was still quite raw. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, that's not what. So what happened is I cooked this beautiful um, roast fish for um, dinner and. I actually turned the whole family off because I decided to do the eyeball challenge right in the middle of dinner again. Oh, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yes. So it <laughs> is the fish there. Looks looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah it looks really good. I like the part where the lip and the teeth are hanging off like yeah. some decaying dead body. Yes, I bet you do. Look at so, you go. So... Yeah, I'm just trying to actually find the video. Well, in the meantime, I'll show you what I came up with. Yeah. Um, I too. I think it was like the whole snapper cooking challenge this week because I did a whole one as well. But I uh, fried mine because everything's good fried. And then uh, had so that that was like crispy skin with their Asian dressing and shallots, which came up an absolute treat. And um, I too had to return it to the frying pan a couple of times. <laughs> it was so crispy on the outside, but <laughs> like, no. When you look in a bit and about an inch, it's sashimi. Yeah, man. That's um, yeah. It's always the first one you try to you know impress your family with uh, of the season. You try to do something different instead of frying it. So I'm going to show you the fish that I um, baked because I found the um, video for it. All right, Dave, because I failed at the um, eyeball challenge, I thought I'd try a cooked one. So here I go. Nayo, Daddy's doing the eyeball challenge. Does your dad eat this? Always. The eyeball? What about the, um, the glass ball thing inside of it? No, don't eat that. That's like... I tried to eat that too. That's just like eating... That's horrific. Yeah. Why yeah. do you keep doing that? <laughs> and that was Stop eating eyeballs. Yeah, well, <laughs> I thought I would um, try to redeem myself because it was, um, I guess, slightly cooked because I had to recook it about two or three times. But, yeah, I thought I'd redeem myself because I'm like, oh, I can definitely eat a cooked one. It didn't look that much more, like, cooked. It still looked pretty slimy and juicy. No, like I said, I had to put it back in the oven um, a few times. But I heard, uh, I heard your wife Haley just ate it like it was nothing. She ate the other side. Yep, she sure did, and she didn't want the camera out. But mm. so I got left at the table because everyone got really disgusted with what I'd done, and I was like, "There's still so much fish left." So every mouthful, I'm just eating it, thinking, "Oh no, why did I try that eyeball again?" Um, so I just every mouthful, I just kept eating, and then. I decided I'd pack it away in the fridge and then the next day I came up with a brilliant idea. I decided I would um, get all the flakes out and roll them to little balls. So I panko'd it um, and then I fried it in vegetable oil and I basically made... That looks amazing. 
fish, yeah. fish nuggies. Yeah, so I basically made, um, I guess, popcorn snapper. And because it still had all the uh, herbs and butter and everything that was melted into the snapper flesh, it was bloody amazing. That's actually genius. Yeah, so it was, I've like repurposed the uh, roast snapper into something. When you, when you first showed it before you did the frying, I was thinking, that looks like vomit, Adrian. I wouldn't, <laughs> yes. I wouldn't be showing that off to the world, but the finished product certainly looks tasty. Yep, well, there it is. I'm going to give that a go. Well, the beauty is the fish was already cooked because I cooked it three times the night before. Mm, so you could just... You could just flash fry on a high temp. Yeah. This is a real good cooking show now. Yeah. So just cooking with Adrian and Dave. Yeah, so I basically just um, doused the uh, flakes in uh, flour, then egg wash, and then straight in the panko, and then straight in the pan and ham up with that beautiful popcorn snapper. Sensational. So yeah. I have a little uh, non-fishing story from the week. I thought you'd like to hear, Adrian. Oh, yes, please tell me. Do you remember some time ago you gave me a hundred, very kindly gave me a hundred dollar note for a birthday? What? A hundred dollar note? When did I yeah. give you that? Oh, I don't know. I've had it for like two years mm-hmm. and I haven't been able to, I haven't used it because do you recall that you wrote a birthday message on it in permanent marker? <laughs> oh yes, that's right. Because Dave had a barbecue for his birthday about a year and a bit ago. I can't remember exactly when his birthday is. That's how good of a friend I am. And it's all right, I don't remember yours either. <laughs> <laughs> and I um, was like, oh, I can't go to his party without a card. And I just so happened to have a $100 note in my wallet and I quickly wrote down a um, a birthday message on it and so that was it. Was it supposed to be a cruel practical joke to give me $100 that I wasn't comfortable giving someone? Was that the aim of that one? Uh, no, it was a genuine gift. <laughs> <laughs> so, this week, my wife Madeline and I made a purchase for the um, incoming child. So, we bought a cot, a second-hand one, oh, and wow. we needed exactly $250. Yep. And Maddie had exactly 150 And I was like, oh, I've got a $100 note, but it comes with a catch. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so... I grabbed it out. I'm like, oh, really don't feel comfortable giving it to this lady with that writing on it. And Maddie's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, you're seriously overthinking it. I'm like, no, nah, I can't deal with it. I'm going to get terps and get the writing off. <laughs> you did not put turpentine on that no. plastic note. Well, I was going to. Honestly, I thought that would be fine because I thought the coating would withhold the terps. But Maddie said it. She disallowed that move, which thank you for that. Well, well, well played. So I went down a level and just sprayed it with some Co. Oh no! Which is um this really eco-friendly cleaning stuff. If uh, anyone knows about it, it's pretty good actually. Um, and then I got the scouring pad and I started. I was tried to wipe it off with that, and it started actually coming off. And I was like, oh god, I'm gonna destroy this note. So oh, had- what the no- the note was coming off, not the writing. Yeah. Oh, no. I know. What, with that eco-friendly spray you had? Yeah. So, it did a slight amount of damage and then I'm like, oh, no, I've just got to roll with this. So, anyway, so we gave this this lady this $100 note with uh, Adrian's handwriting, which was like, happy birthday, Dave, on it and um, (laughs) felt really awkward about it. So, I just thought that I'd bring that up with you to see whether you remembered that you give me that and whether you realised that it was a bit of a 
cruel practical joke. Well, <laughs> honestly, I'd be happy if someone gave me a hundred dollar note that said "Happy Birthday." Yeah, Wouldn't you? That, that would just really brighten my day. Look, you just was, get a random hundred dollar note that says "Happy Birthday, Dave." <laughs> yeah, well, apparently I overthought it, um, and nobody would care. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Haven't heard anything back from the lady, but I'm sure she's thrilled to have that little gift that the gift that keeps on giving. Now she can find someone to give it to. Yeah, well, what a great story that is. <laughs> you almost destroyed a hundred dollar note because yeah. of your, I guess, self consciousness um, took over, and you wanted to clean it. Thought <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'd update you on that one anyway, Adrian. Anyway, um, so I do. Uh, remember we were arguing about squid bag limits? Yeah. Well, we, we had a YouTube comment um, with the correct answer. I yeah. think it was from a guy called Jack Fu. He left us a lovely comment on YouTube. Oh, I didn't see this. And with a link. For some reason it only showed up on our studio. So here we are, the bag limits. I don't know if you want to have a squeeze or that. But there's an example that says Tiffany can have more than the bag limit in her caravan, which is 10 brim, because she is not in or next to the water. When Tiffany is fishing from her boat or at the boat ramp or fishing from the shore, Tiffany must not pos- uh, possess more than 10 brim. So the previous day's catch must stay at the caravan park. Yeah. So, so we can have as much as we want in our freezer. Is that what you're saying? Yes, according to the uh, VFA website, we can have a lot of dead squid in our freezer. See, that doesn't seem right either. Well, well I can have like a thousand squid in my freezer. Well, yep, that's exactly what VFA is saying. Well, if that is not the case, Victorian Fisheries, um, we'd love for someone to get in touch with us and straighten that one out because I actually looked at this with Jonah, our fisheries mate from Tassie, and we couldn't find anywhere either that specified a possession limit. So as it currently stands, um, well, we can stock as much as we want. Yeah. So oh, by a- the way, I have restocked the freezer a little bit since we've absolutely pillaged it lately. Mm-hmm. I did have a trip. I forgot about this. I did have a mildly successful trip the other day where I, um, I got 10 really nice squid. And um, I'm just sort of... So they're in the freezer. I refuse to let anyone eat them. <laughs> yes. The last few days, you two, you and Brendan have both been saying that you were potentially going to go snapper fishing, and I was just thinking to myself, oh, man, they're going to come and steal my hard-earned squid. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I didn't get any footage of the squid or photos for some reason. I just I thought I had some good stuff on the GoPro, and I didn't. And they were actually really nice squid too. They were pretty big. The yep. only thing I did get was this glorious little video of um, what we call an ink shot on my brother. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no. He's basically got it all over his face. Oh, it's... Hang on, I'll show you the start again. I think we missed the start, which is... <laughs> wow. That is... that is an absolute ink shot and a half. And actually, that was from the little one. I actually can't remember the last time I got shot in the face. Huh? Yeah. Because it's a rookie move. Because you know what it did? He lifted it in. and Oh, like? Like by the jig because it was small. Oh, yeah. And when you do that, well, of course, its head is then pointing at you and it's full of ink and it's ready to go and the inevitable happened and it blasted him. Yeah. So what us 
us season campaigners do, we don't even net them ever because when you put them in the net, you've got no control of where they're squirting. So we grab them behind the head and then that way you can just point them at your mate or like if you're being yep. nice away from the boat completely and then slide them straight into the bait tank. Exactly. Well, I think also the problem with nets, uh, the jig gets tangled in it too. Mm. So if you don't have like one of those, I guess, snapper, oh, well, the, uh, what is it, the plastic rubbery nets mm. um, and you've got like an actual net net, if that makes sense. Net, um, net. Yeah, it kind of tangles and makes a giant mess in your net and you end up having to cut it. Yeah, well, it becomes less efficient because while you're stuffing around doing that, your jig's out of the water. And quite often you have two or three squid following each other and you want to get that one off and slam the other jig back in the water so that you can absolutely put pillage and collect as many as you can so that you can then go home and add to your collection of 2,000 squid, which you're allowed to have. Yeah, well, according to the VFA, <laughs> I'm just reading what... Um, Jack Fu sent us. So, yeah, if you do have any um, comments on, you know, you want to message us, feel free to write stuff on our YouTube page or Instagram. and Yeah, we'll like, address it. Like, comment, subscribe, whatever you call it. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely address it. If so, thanks, good, Jack. If it's a good conversational piece, we'll certainly bring it up on the podcast and get stuck into it. So, Dave. Well. Lockdown is over. What are you going to get up to now? Um, well, I've noticed uh, the weekend's weather's absolutely horrid. Yes. Oh, oh, look, I absolutely love big tuna. So I'm going to go out there and just burn some fuel through my motor. I don't mean like fishing-wise. Oh. Personally, I know the first thing I'm going to do is get a haircut. Yeah. (laughs) Because I've had a couple of uh, lockdown wife haircuts and, (laughs) (laughs) yes, they they all end up in... um, Fights and a very average cut. <laughs> no, I think from now on I'm going to carry on clipping myself like like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep going like number one's number yeah. one and then let it go back a bit, then number one again. Yep, so so that's what I'm doing. And then, yeah, obviously I can't wait to go see um, my brother who lives about an hour and a bit away from me. Actually, I don't care about him at all. But I want to see my niece and nephew, um, who I haven't seen in months. So, yeah, stuff like that. That's going to be fantastic to catch up with them. Um, yeah, as absolutely. Long as, as long as it's not fishing weather, you know. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, fishing. You, sorry. Come oh on. no, I was just going to say. Well, fishing. Um, yeah, when the weather's too good, that's all you can think about. I but, know. Yeah. But we have been a long time away from friends and family. Um, so we're definitely going to try fit that in the fishing schedule as well. Yeah, lucky the weather's bad this weekend because I wouldn't be able to choose between giant tuna and family yeah. visits. Or if I did do the family visit, I'd be looking at um weather forecasts and reports the whole day and potentially uh, getting a bit upset at that. But one one thing I'm looking forward to um now that we're not uh I guess bound by a kilometre rule and eventually we can go interstate is marlin fishing because I absolutely love it. Um, I think the last time we went was just before the very first lockdown last year. Yep. We, we took um, your good mate Siraj who I guess has been supporting the charter business for a long time and now he's become a good mate of both of ours really. He 
he does lots of good cook-ups and <laughs> stuff. Oh, Suraj is like the kindest person you'll ever meet. He's like, I often say he's like a little alien who came from Mars and all he knows is kindness. Yes. And he like he hasn't been around humans enough to realise, <laughs> you know what I mean, to be beaten down. Yeah. So he will say hello to everyone, make conversation with everyone, like asks how your family is going every time you see him and all he wishes is the best to everyone, tries to give everyone money all the time. Yeah. He's just the nicest guy. So when he said he wanted to catch a marlin, we planned this trip up to Jervis Bay and, yeah, we had an absolute ball. It was our last... It was our last trip before COVID was a big thing. It had just started when that happened, so we are pretty lucky to sneak the trip in. Oh, yeah. I love stopping um, every 10 minutes down the road because he wanted a cigarette break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. We want to get him on the podcast, but we a little bit concerned about the tangents he'll go off on, but I think we should still do it because it'll just be funny. Yeah. We'll get him on next week. Yeah, so we got, we got him on the Marlin, and um, I'll try to find a video here. He, yeah, it was quite funny. Oh, no, we won't oh, do that yet. I love ads. Yeah. <laughs> we probably should have thought about the ads, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> well, good thing we didn't go to it. Hey. <laughs> here he is, here. Yeah, just give me that. Oh, no, we've gone to me. So what What happened is <laughs> um, he actually gave up because he got so tired. Well, it was literally the first, like, proper big fish he's caught. Yeah. Because Suraj is a land-based snapper angler. Which he loves, and he hadn't gone toe to toe with a big game fish before, other than some smaller take, tuna. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah, I can. Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, literally. Are you sure? Yeah. He's only got another 10, 15 in him. Yeah. Okay. I think you can do it. No. Yes. I'm done. So we threw him in the deep end, and we put him on a on a really big fish in the rough. So it's you know with no prior training on fifty wide overhead tackle. I mean you can't blame him, but. He did pretty well. Like he stayed on it for a while, and then later in the trip, he uh, redeemed himself. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Because after he saw uh, me wind the rest of that fish in, um, the next day I think he said, "Nope, I'm going to do it all on my own." And to his, um, yeah, he really, really tried the next day, and he actually caught one. So, oh yeah, the difference in technique. Uh, between a day from just probably from watching you wind it in um, was really impressive and he did a really good job stayed calm it was a lot flatter which made it a lot easier for him Um, just scrolling through trying to find a little bit of footage of it here we go throw to this one Adrian yep obviously it's a lot calmer on this day Right, let him run, let him run, let him run. He was literally just there. I saw the um, clip of the uh, wind on. There he is. <laughs> anyway, and then we, we landed that, that fish and um, all he wanted to do was touch and feel his marlin, didn't he? Oh, you yeah. A, you barely had it through the bill. Yeah. From, by the bill and he tried to push you out of the way. Shit, shit. Yeah, that's all right. Look out. Yeah, got him, got him. We got a capture. Ah. Ah. 
<laughs> so I'm getting beaten up here and um, Siraj is trying to push me out and get a photo. <laughs> oh, don't watch this. Worst tag shot ever. <laughs> I tagged it and the tag went just through the other side of the dorsal. Had to redo it. Yeah, so that was a awesome trip, Adrian. Thanks yeah. for bringing that up. No, well, I was just thinking because that is one thing I want to do, you know, when we're out of lockdown, which we are from this week, and I believe everything's going to open up and we're good to do whatever. That'll be great. Enjoy that because I'll have a newborn and I won't be going. <laughs> I've got zero chance of Marlon unless they come to Western Port, which is, um, you never know. These big bluefin, when I was a kid, that was just an absolute, like, like you'd dream about that. That there'd be any size bluefin off Western Port. Now every year we get these school school size bluefin and the big ones come through. So never say never. I could I could imagine like a black marlin could potentially come in if there's enough bait into well, our waters. It's funny you say that, Dave. I believe there was a lot of reports of people allegedly saying they had hooked black marlin out of the Western Heads there. Yeah, there's been a couple of reports. I believe more so around um, the prom. There's been a couple of reports as well. That's that's amazing. Like, mm. could you imagine like fishing for black marlin out of Western Port? <laughs> oh, it'd be great. But that's like saying, can you imagine fishing for bluefin? Because I couldn't, and now we get them, and it's fantastic. Yeah, we're having like twenty, thirty fish sessions on little tinnies out there. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we don't have a um, big name guest this week because we absolutely went with the the big gun. Nikki last time and we thought well we can't beat that so we'll just not ever get guests on again is that was that our thinking um <laughs> sure that's so, what you think so what i thought we might do um there's probably people that are listening that don't know that much about us adrian so i thought it might be a good idea if i interviewed us oh no don't interview me i'm very secretive <laughs> <laughs> well i'm going to all right i've got some questions Oh, no. You're going to answer, then I'm Questions. going to answer. Okay, so... Are you, you ready? You ask the question, I answer, and then you answer the same question. Yep. All right, how did you get into fishing, Adrian? Well, when I was about four years old, because um, I, I actually lived in Tassie, believe it or not, Dave, when I was quite young, and my parents had uh, separated... And we came to live in Hastings with my papa and nana. And? And? What, is that it? No, that's not it. Well, you asked me how I got into fishing, so I'm telling you. Well, um, you didn't tell me anything. <laughs> you just told me where you'd moved to. <laughs> so, so my papa was a really big fisherman. He loved um, chasing snapper and kings. And he used to take us to the local jetties to catch fish. So he actually got me into fishing and I remember when I was about four years old on the Stony Point jetty there, he used to have little, um, what do you call them, docking stations for the ferry on the other side. Oh, yeah. And we used to catch trevally off it. So yeah, right. That was probably my first. So your first fish was a trevally? I believe so, yeah. That's um, off Stony Point. That's up there. Yeah. It's a good start. Yeah. All right. What about yourself, Dave? How did you get into fishing? Well, yeah, similar. The old man was um was a, into fishing. Nothing like what we are. 
Um, actually, he was into motorbikes before I was born. Oh, motorbikes. Um, a huge collection of motorbikes. But I think once he had kids, he decided that was a bit dangerous, sold them all and got a boat. Um, so, yeah, my first memories are uh, going out in um, the, the boat that he, the small boat that he had uh, out of Paddo River. And um, my parents gave me a fishing rod with no reel and no line because <laughs> oh, no. I couldn't be trusted. <laughs> no, no reel or line. No real alliance. I couldn't get up to too much mischief. And I believe my first fish, like probably heaps of people, was a small flathead. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, humble beginnings. Yep. Still the suck to this day. sand flathead, was it? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Probably a metery dusky, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. right. A metre dusky. <laughs> All right. Next question, Adrian. Yep. So, what was your first boat? Well, when... Because my parents split up and I used to go to Tassie uh, quite a few times every year. Mm. Uh, we had a little tinny with like a little four horsepower, two-stroke pull start little motor thing. Mm. And we weren't allowed to go too far, far from uh, shore, as, as you know, when you're quite young. Um, Things weren't reliable like they are now either, up no, were no, they? No, not at all. <laughs> And yeah, it was just this little four meter tinny thing that was that you dragged off the beach and attached the motor to. <laughs> um, in St Helens, actually. Oh. And um, we used to just catch flathead of it, and that was the first boat I remember having. So. Yeah, because I remember the old man's boat had a blue or brown band Merc. You know oh, those things. Oh yes, those. They the were two the strokes back in the day. They were the best motors back in the day. Everyone had it on. No, they weren't. <laughs> they were popular. I remember yeah. the cowling being off a lot. <laughs> oh, no. um, but Mercury's these days, fantastic. Yes. Mercury, fantastic. You want to give us some free motors? Well, yeah, we all have Mercs anyway. Yeah, so. we do. We do. We do. We, we believe in the brand. Yeah, so that, that was um, the first boat I remember having access to anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah, so what was the first boat you ever had, Dave? Uh, well, yeah, it was the, the old man had um, boats when I was a kid um, and I went out with, um, after he passed, I went out with some neighbours and whatnot growing up. But my first personal watercraft uh, was a kayak. A kayak. So we used to have a holiday house at Phillip Island. So we used to take our um, kayaks out and catch some pretty big squid, actually. We got onto the squid. We learned how to do that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I had a kayak, and then um, I graduated from that to me and my childhood best friend had a little twelve foot tinny, which started off with a terrible motor, and then we we got a um a four stroke on that, and that was that did us pretty well. And you got a four stroke. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. No sounder or anything. I remember still just lining stuff off with landmarks and um, no idea what depth it was until I actually put a bait in. But, yeah, that was, that was simple, great times. And then from that boat, I went to – actually, I bought – or mum and I bought – actually, mum bought, let's be honest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> mum bought back uh, dad's old boat, which had since been sold, and I had that for a few years. What was that? A uh, seafarer. Ooh, the old seafarer. Yeah, a small seafarer. And then I went to the Kudakraft Gunshot, 
which was an awesome offshore boat. And now I've got the uh, the big Eden craft. Yeah. I don't know if you wanted me to go through all the boats I've ever owned. Was that Well, no, that was interesting. Yeah, so. I didn't know you had a seafarer. Yeah. Was, you probably once told me before. Yeah, so it was a seafarer Viva, Adrian, a five and a half metre. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, it had an old Evinrude 115. She used to fly. Yeah. Um, the old Jono. Not the most reliable engine, as was the case in that era. And, of course, as a young guy, the maintenance project probably wasn't great. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure it um, lost compression at one stage. On how and, many cylinders? Oh, God knows. But <laughs> but <laughs> I, I remember just thinking, that's yeah, still good. It still moves. So yeah. literally took the boat out with uh, no compression in the cylinder and couldn't even plane and thought that that was still appropriate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just the we've, sort of stupid stuff you do as a kid. We've all had our boat troubles before. <laughs> yeah. But uh, with the distances and stuff we do now, we are definitely well and truly onto yeah. that side of things. Yep. Always up to date on the services now because we tend to do a lot of Ks some days. Um, mm, massive. Yeah, so... And we, especially having the, the survey boat now, that thing needs uh, needs a lot of uh, extra attention to make sure that everything's tip-top. Yep. And... Yeah, so Dave's free for charters, so anyone want to charter, Dave can do them. He's not really free. He's got <laughs> he's got another job and then he wants to go fishing with Adrian on the weekends anyway. So, nah, there will be limited spots. We'll do some limited, probably snapper charters with Ga- with Adrian as a guest appearance. Yep, and, <laughs> oh, sure, guest. Decky. I'll just be helping out, making things easy for Dave, but we are trying to throw a competition. Um. For our podcast, uh, for a free fishing charter on our charter boat. We will be doing that. So there she is. Oh, She's a, a, uh, it's a beautiful photo, isn't it? Is that Conran? Cape Conran, yeah. Another fishless trip on the swords. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, have you worked out the details of your contest yet? No, I'm still in the fine details of it, but it's going to involve probably when we get to the 1,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. So... Yeah, it's going to be a pretty good um, competition because we do catch a lot of snapper. <laughs> we might even get Suraj on board. Yeah, he can cook his brownies. Oh, he brings out so much food; it's the best. But anyway, we digress. Back to the questions. Yes, fondest fishing memory as a kid, and fondest fishing memory as an adult. All right. Wow, that's kind of two questions in one. Mm. So I remember, do you remember when you're a kid and you get your Christmas presents and there's always like a token lure or fishing tackle thing in it? Yeah. Um, well, I remember uh, I unwrapped one of my presents. I was actually staying in South Arm in Tasmania for Christmas that year, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, south of Hobart somewhere. Yep. And I got a... Razorback squid lure, squid jig. <laughs> Classic. Yes. And I had no idea what it was or how to use it. All I knew is you could catch squid on it. Mm-hmm. And later that day, I went to the rocks with my brothers and my old man. And they were all bait fishing. And I said, huh, I'm going to tie this lure on, this razorback thing, and catch a squid. <laughs> I had no idea how to use it. Never caught a squid in my life. I was just literally casting it out and 
straight just, wind. Yeah, just basically, yeah, just winding it in really slowly. And I wasn't catching anything at the time. And then I'm like, oh, I'll do one more cast of it. Then I'm going to chuck some um, scallops or oysters, whatever on the rocks on my hook. Because <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of oysters on those rocks. Mm. They don't get um, harvested a lot over there. Oh, they will. <laughs> that, they probably are now. But um, I just did one more cast and as soon as it hit the water, my rod's just going, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I want a squid. And everyone's just like gathered around me and like, Adrian's got a big squid on. He's got a big squid on. And from that day onwards, I always um, carried a squid jig on me when I went fishing because of that moment it just made me go, oh, if I cast that uh, squid jig out, I'm going to get a squid. Yeah. <laughs> So, Only it worked that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a pretty good area for squid too. So yeah, down at Cremorne, South Arm there. Um, Shout out! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, second. So you're going to address the uh, second part of that question, which was fondest adult fishing memory. Well, there's quite a few since I um, got back into fishing. I guess when in my early twenties. Um, pick two. Pick two. Uh, I was with my mates, Johnny and Ches, and we... No. No? I wasn't there, so I can't count. <laughs> no, go on. I think it was about 2014 from memory. Um, yeah, it would have been about 24 then. And we we actually watched Mega Reds, and we said, let's go to Welsh Pool and catch some snapper. <laughs> so what's Mega Reds? Mega Reds? I know what it is, but yeah. for everyone else out there. Well, Mega Reds is um, a show that Brendan Wing did for you Fish TV. Before he was into rooster breeding. Yes, before he uh, <laughs> decided to have a couple of roosters in his backyard. Yep. He was a mad snapper fishing, fisherman and um, he caught some big, big snapper that made, I guess, Welsh Bull famous um, because it was probably the first real show that was put on uh, Welsh pool of catching big reds. Yeah, right. And um, that I'd seen anyway. So it made me and my mates want to go there because we'd caught snapper in Port Phillip Bay and Western Port and all that and we wanted, you know, the big fish. And we had um, we were there for seven days and we had caught nothing in six days except for a couple of gummies and a lot of trash sharks and rays and went through a lot of tackle and... Um, bait for <laughs> that week yep and then one morning we got up at 4 a.m and the boys were they were beaten on the last day they didn't want to get up and i said oh let's just um fish this last early morning tide in the franklin channel i don't know if you know the franklin channel dave oh i know it um because we'd been fishing singapore deep all week for nothing and we were at the pub that night we heard an old, old guy talk about the Franklin Channel. So we, oh, an old sea dog at yes, the pub. the old sea dog at the pub. They're not normally accurate though. No, but we decided to try it anyway. Um, and literally we were there, anchored up. There was two boats. There was four of us, two in each boat. And the first set of rods, I believe, we um, caught... We had a double, me and Ches, we had a double of six and a half kilo fit snapper and a banjo. And then the uh, 20 pounders came rolling in. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. That's, that's exciting. Yep, yep. So, so 
So how big was the biggest snapper? 99 centimetres. Shit. Yep. That's a cracker. I'd never seen a, fit, a snapper that big in my life. And we had one on the deck. Um, I don't know if I have any photos of it on me here. I might try to find it later, but it was... We'll put her on the Instagram after yeah, the show. 99 centimetres. So you got multiple 20-pounders. Yeah, so on our boat, we got two. And on John's boat, he was with my brother Kieran, they got one that was like 9.2 kilo or something. Oh. Um, what is 20 pounds? 9.2 something, isn't 9. it? 9.1 something, I think. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So we caught about nine fish that morning, all big, all over six kilo, I believe. Ridiculous. Yeah. And we, yeah, it just went from zero to hero like that. It was amazing. Yeah, right. So that was a very fond memory. That's a great memory. Yeah. What else you got? Well, you said one memory of... Uh, yeah, one's fine. Yeah. So you're going with that one. Yeah, we can tell other stories another day. Yeah, true. So true. What, what's your stories, Dave, on those questions? All right. So as a kid, um, it's probably when I really... Because the old man wasn't like that good at fishing. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he was more your weekend dangler, right? Yeah. So... To me, it was like we'd catch pinkies and like the odd gummy shark. Like you get a gummy every few, few trips. So it wasn't until I was like a teenager that, that I'd done a bit of research and I worked out that you actually could consistently catch yes. <laughs> big fish. So I still don't consistently catch. No, <laughs> but we tried. But um, so I didn't even have a boat license at this stage. Uh, sorry, no, I had a boat license. I didn't even have a car license at this stage. And when I hadn't... With this little twelve foot tinny, I used to, I literally used to me and like a mate from school or whatever, we'd wheel it down my street, like physically lift the trailer and walk it down the street, and put it down and 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 slide it down the ramp and launch it. And whoa, whoa, whoa! Without a car, with you... no car, oh. no plan of how to get it back out again, because obviously, like we weren't going to be able to pull it back up a ramp. But we just thought, you know, the main thing is to get it in the water and go fishing, and then we'll work out the rest later. So I'd usually have to go bug a neighbour or something to pull me out at the end of the trip. But anyway, on this occasion, for some reason, I decided to go fishing of an afternoon and I had no bait, but I did have some squid in the freezer, but I'd cleaned it and I had it there for mum to cook for dinner. So being a bit cheeky, I grabbed that one, like a cleaned hood ready for dinner. So I I stole it. Oh no, you stole mum's dinner. Took it out, (laughs) went off silver leaves and I caught a really big gummy probably like genuine 25 kilo full of pups and oh no on my own slayer so it was absolute mayhem well i didn't slay them adrian i actually released it so (laughs) that was probably the first proper big fish i ever caught as a young guy um big gummy shark which i released so that was a pretty special day well done dave what what made you want to release it because i know when you're a kid and you're Really into fishing, you just like to kill your catch. It's like a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a primal thing. Yes, no, but well, it's also like look, you take it and go, look, mum, look, dad, look what I caught. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't want to give him too much credit, but just, just this is just after uh, Brendan released a film called Great Grey Submarines with Warren Carter about gummy fishing, and he promoted the catch and release thing pretty heavily. But yep. also when it did come in, it was clearly like really pregnant and like you could feel the, the pups wriggling around. So yep. I would have felt pretty horrible keeping it. So 
I let her go and uh, very glad that I did. So that was my memory as a kid. Yep. So as an adult. Oh, the adult memory. I've got heaps of really good ones as an adult. I actually found this really hard as well because we've caught so many great fish over the last few years. But Well, I don't think – so neither of us are going to bring up as the the – the fondest memory as an adult catching a hundred pound mulloway together, hundred and one pound. <laughs> Hope, hopefully, get that right next time. Because I'm not bringing that one up either. No. So you kind of you're gloating if you bring out um, that you caught a hundred pound mulloway. Well, I didn't catch it. I was just there to watch the glory, but Glorious. that was up there. But no, the the fondest one for me is um, the time that I went out of Lake's entrance on my own in my cooter craft. Oh, yes, not I the, love this not story. Not that video, Adrian. And drove uh, 90k to sea and we'd been trying to catch a swordfish for three or four years before this. So this is about 2017. So three or four years before this, we've been trying to catch swordfish, me, Adrian, Brendan, Brendan Wing, and a few other guys with... No success. Um, in fact, a little backstory to that is that we think that we hooked and fought one of, if not the first recreational swordfish hooked out of Lake's entrance. Um, that's actually footage on our YouTube of that fish. We fought it for about 50 minutes, 100% of swordfish, and we pulled the hooks on it. And then for the next four years, we just dropped fish, lost fish, basically sucked. Everyone else started catching him. We still hadn't caught one. We'd done so many trips. We had no money left. And I was just at the end of my tether oh, and no. a, a wind, weather window came up and nobody could come with me. So actually... I, I think we we went sword fishing like every weekend because the weather was good on every weekend. So for about six weeks straight, we just went sword fishing. Yeah. So this, this occasion, Adrian couldn't come and then I couldn't get anyone else to come because I think everyone was broken emotionally and uh, out of money. And our wallets were very broke. I think there yep. was moths flying out of them. Actually, shout out to Brendan. He contributed some money to this trip because I was on there because I was pretty poor at that point. And he's like, I want you to go. I'm going to tip some money in. So got to say thank you to him for that one. Um, so, yeah, I went out on my own. I drove to Lakes through the night, got there about three, uh, 2 a.m., slept in my car for a few hours and launched at probably about 6, drove out on my own and this spot that we'd actually sort of sussed out about two weeks earlier, we'd caught um, like a really big blue eye there and we sort of like we'd mapped out this area and we knew it could be good. Um, our mate Kev caught a sword in that area as well. Yes, I think it was like a week before or something, wasn't it? Yeah, so all the puzzle, like the pieces to the puzzle kind of came together. And I went out there and like the very first drop of the day, I sent a bait down and I just looked at the rod tip and I was like, oh my God, that's actually getting a bite. And it's like somehow I just knew I was going to get that fish. I turned around, grabbed my harness and stuff and just started harnessing up. <laughs> Turned around again and the rods bent over. So I just wound into it and the weight came on. And um, then, yeah, I was in for a bloody absolute tussle uh, trying to drive the boat and angle this fish on my own. Yeah. And probably the hardest 
And surprisingly, the hardest part, even though it was a really good fight, was the gaffing, uh, trying to gaff it on my own. I got the gaff in and it went nuts on the um, gaff. But then getting it into the boat on my own because it was 107 kilo and not a, like it was actually probably bigger than that to be fair because it spat up a whole heap of arrow squid. So yeah, I'd like to claim it bigger. So you're going to say 110, are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, probably 150 odd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 150. So the hardest part was then getting it in the boat on my own. So I literally tried for about an hour to lift it in on my own. Had it like halfway in a few times sitting on its head and stuff and then it just slid back in the water. And then I came up with like something I'd thought about in the past was I have a winch on my boat for the anchor. So what I did was I grabbed the rope off the anchor winch, fed it through the front of the boat, tied it to this fish and winched the fish in. So I've got a little bit of footage of that, footage of that if you want to throw to it, Adrian. Yeah, just just another thing when you're getting sword bites and um, you're quickly chucking the harness on, I think I've done that um, just fighting the brick. <laughs> we've all done that. Yes. <laughs> we've fought some bricks. Yep. We use bricks for sinkers when we're sword fishing and sometimes you think it's come off and it hasn't and yep. then you think that you've got a – the weight is a fish but you're just winding a brick to the surface. Yeah, exactly. So it's quite a <laughs> – a laugh when you realise you've been winding a brick in that whole time. But <laughs> I'm going to go to Dave's um, anchor winch swordfish here, so check this out. I don't know. It's over under. Hey, Malky. I'm not sure this is what your winch is meant for, but I hope it's going to work. She's <laughs> either incredibly smart or incredibly dumb. I'm trying to get this swordfish in the boat for like two, three hours. Yeah, I messed his face up. stuff in the fight. I've resorted to this. So Mark, Kudacraft, I'm testing your wave breaker as well. So basically Dave's um, just at- thrown the anchor rope over his wave breaker and he's expecting to use the winch um, to pull it up nicely. Yeah, and I did. Here we go. But to be fair, I ended up winching in tail first because you didn't see it in that footage. Yeah. But I was winching it in head first. It was nearly in. And they've got like a real soft mouth and the rope ripped out. <laughs> and it <laughs> fell back in the water. So and I was like, hmm. Yeah, you know tackle. what's really exciting about that story? I remember when you got that. You got the bite about 8 a.m. Mm. And you, I think you're back coming in about 12, about lunchtime from memory. Yep. And you sent the text out saying you got one. Oh, yeah. So we we'd all um, decided we'd finish work for the day. Because where Dave gone sword fishing, it's about a four-hour drive from home. And we'd all got to Brendan Wings about, I don't know, 9 p.m. And we're all just waiting there for Dave's arrival. And he just, we could see his car in the distance just rock up. And we're all, there's about 10 of us waiting at um, Gopal's place because he made some man-made gantry (laughs) thing. Um, And Dave rocked up and we're all cheering and... Um, yeah, hooraying him and like you've done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was nice to have a little. I, I didn't even actually have to fill it because you guys all came to the ramp and were filleting it for me. So yeah, that was a it was a fond memory. It yeah. was definitely one of the better ones. Yeah, I've got more. But do got, we have time for more? You got more, or do we move on? So <laughs> I don't know. If we've got time for any more interesting questions and stories because we're coming up to the hour mark now. Oh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Keep going. Yeah. 
I won't do any more of my fondest ones, but there's been a few there. I'll yeah. reel them off quickly. We won't go through the, the big No, story. we don't have to rush about it. We can... Well, there's the, the local 100 kilo bluefin. Um, oh, yeah, that one was a good one. Yep. So we've caught quite a few bluefin over 100 kilo, but getting one out of... Hang on. I'm yet to catch a bluefin. Over 100. Yeah, over 100. Yeah. Um, I've You're been, jinxed. Yeah, I'm very jinxed. I, I actually remember about 2016... Me and Dave lost one that he's calling 150 out there no. locally. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not 150, but it was a real good fish, real good one. We went out with our mate Stu on his uh, on his big Caribbean, and we we're actually only doing a couple of laps, and then we were going squid fishing. There hadn't been any reports or anything, but we thought we're down near the entrance. We'll go do some laps, and um, yeah, I was about to call it to go in for squid fish, and we went over a couple of seals, and uh, bang! And uh, then I um, released it. It was great. Great fun. Long story short, fought that for like an hour and a half, got it near the boat, someone applied a bit much pressure and the line broke. And we'll never talk about that again. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so about 50 trips and a couple of years later, Brendan and I saunter out there and uh, I'll show you what happens. If Adrian is going to click play. Yeah. Smaller but definitely solid. Yeah! You're kidding me. Are you kidding me? Once again, no reports, just went out there for a look, which we do often, and weight of numbers of trips we'd done, I think we just rolled into another one. Yep. Nah. Just seeing that bite is amazing. Oh, there's nothing like the sound of that line coming off the reel. So we got that one in. Well, you could tell by your cheers just then. You're like, yes, yes. Yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah, and we got another egg. <laughs> anyway, we pulled that fish in and that was a, another ripper moment. And then, yeah, there's the 100-pound mulloway and all these other fantastic things which we'll go into another day. Hey, now we've watched this ad, can we play the rest of this little bit of oh, we can. barrel landing? We've got to sort... Maybe we'll have to get a YouTube subscription so we don't have to... Oh, my God. So, yeah, there's that moment of disbelief when the big fish comes in the boat that you just dreamed of for years. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's really impressive um, landing a giant tuna in your local waterways when I guess that fishery never existed. Well, that we know of anyway. Yeah. Hopefully we can do it again in the next couple of weeks. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. So so what's your plans for the week coming up? I believe you're starting a new job. Yep. Uh, yeah, so no more mid-week mid trips for a little bit. Start the new job tomorrow. And then, um, yeah, over the weekend, I think maybe uh, visit the family while the weather's no good. But I'm so keen to get back on these big tuna. So... Let's uh, make that a priority, Adrian. Yep, I'm keen. As, as I was saying before, I haven't caught a big one yet, so I'm really keen to do it. All righty, let's make it happen. All right, so I guess that's us. That's us. Wrap her up. Mm-hmm.